1: Let's play him, football. off! Run right to the back of him! Run right to the middle and out the back!
2: What's known in football terms as a slam dunk.
0: Baby, you're a firework.
2: Come on, show a work!
0: Make him go, ah, 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 as the
2: Baby, Welcome in to... The bye week edition of Daytime Fireworks. I am your host, Zach Barry, joining me as always, David Brandt of the Associated Press. David, we we were just getting into it. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just hit record. Because this is good stuff. This is good content. And it's a bye week. And look, I I wholeheartedly admit I do not watch regular season Major League Baseball. If I am sitting down with nothing else to do, and it is on. I will turn the Braves game on, but one hundred and sixty-two way too many. I'm not doing that each and every night. But playoff baseball, I'm locked in. Last night, unless you're just now waking up or you live under a rock, you know what happened in that game. What was your uh, what was your reaction to that? You know, very typical eight five three double play to end it.
1: Oh, that was awesome! Michael Harris is such a stud. I mean, and what a play, and, and actually a great play because, you know, Harris just flung the ball in, and then Austin Riley made a real nice play to kind of grab it and flip it to Olsen over at first base. It was just – that's great stuff. And, you know, the Braves-Phillies, it's kind of a shame they have to meet this early in the playoffs because I think you could argue that they're the two best teams in the National League right now. But um,
2: – Yeah. Yeah, it, it was just an the playoff an format, awesome play. This playoff format sucks, right?
1: I, I think it gives – baseball is such a regimented like for literally i'm not even i think a major league baseball day under the collective bargaining agreement is 183 days for 183 days you play 162 games and so essentially almost every day of the week you're in a routine you you go to the park you you get your work in you you hit you Whatever, run if you're a pitcher and stuff like that. Get your throw again. And then at the end of the season, the top two teams in the National League and the American League, you break that cycle for five or six days. It's it's even longer than the all-star break. And I just think that's a real disadvantage for the top two teams in each league. And you're seeing it as such, the diamondbacks have just ripped the Dodgers the last couple games. And then, you know, the Braves mm-hmm. are struggling with the Phillies. The Orioles have been smoked by the Rangers a couple times and the Astros are doing, I think they're splitting with the twins right now, but it, it's just a tough, that's, you know, uh, part it, of me is it's like, a, it's a difficult format. I agree.
2: Yeah. Part of me is like, you know, just win. Like you're the one seed handle your business, but yeah, you look at, they play the winner of the wild card, which is the four and the five. The two seed, by the way, can just get lucky and get the six seed. That's so, true, which they did. But as as old miss fans know, specifically baseball Ole Miss fans, if you get hot, it doesn't matter. Because the six seed can get hot and beat the two seed. And you know, the four or five seed can get hot, and beat the one seed, so it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I just <laughs> my my collective Braves uh, Braves fans group text. Everyone was groveling until you know the eighth inning last night about the playoff format.
1: Oh yeah, and then all of a sudden the playoffs are great. My mom was doing <laughs> yeah. the I was t- I was telling you my parents are monstrous Braves fans, especially my mom. And uh, as soon as Austin Riley hit that homer, she was she was back on the playoffs are awesome train. And then of Dude, that course, ball after the bike laner.
2: that ball hung in the air so long.
1: Well, it was weird. It was like a one handed homer. Like it's it it just shows how strong he is we're not we're we're not all built the same right 375 feet with one arm and you know what was fun was living in jackson all those years was the double a braves were there and so i saw a lot of those guys come through interviewed austin riley interviewed ozzy albies um you know freddie freeman back in the day jason hayward you know guys like that all those good pitchers i've been so sad i felt Mike Soroka is a really nice guy and I hate all the Achilles injuries he's had and all that stuff. But, uh, it, it was just, you know, and and you see, you get to see them. Like I remember watching Ozzie Albies take batting practice the first time and you know, you meet Ozzie and I don't know if you've ever like stood up next to him, but he's not a large human at all. He's like, you know, maybe five ten, like like 175, like, you know, a good athlete, good shape, but you would never think he was, uh, you know, Mookie Betts is a little like that, too. You're just like, wow, this is an elite. But but then you would watch Ozzy take a batting practice. And again, it's just we're not all created equal. Like the ball just jumped off his back, like the sound it made. The only other time I've ever heard that at Trustmark Park, that same noise, was when Anthony Rendon, I watched him take BP for Rice back in the day during a Ooh. Conference USA tournament, and he was – he had it. But uh, yeah. Rigdon and Ozzy Albies are the two most impressive guys I've seen, like in person at Trustmark.
2: Yeah, it was um, quite the roller coaster. And then the game was so early, I was able to get some, you know, couple loads of laundry folded. Um, hey, hey, did some work. I, tell you or... what,
1: the, I, I know you said you don't watch a lot of regular season baseball, but the, the and people, the pitch clock changed everything. Like I, yeah. I don't know how much, you, but. I, I played small college baseball. I love baseball. I mean, it's it's my favorite sport. The the reason why I'm the biggest reason I moved to Phoenix is now I'm an AP baseball writer and get to cover this Dodgers diving back series. And that's a lot of the reason I left because we love Mississippi, but you know, there's just more stuff to cover out here. But you know, there was like twenty or thirty minutes each game where just nothing was happening. People were just picking their nose, adjusting their jock strap, yeah. like that sort of things. Well, and and they... so
2: they limited what throws to first now. It's like pickoffs. They did um, right.
1: You get you get two disengagements, and if you disengage the third time and you don't pick them off, it's a balk.
2: Which, <laughs> which I was laughing at people on Twitter that were bitching about Ronald Acuna's record, and they're like, "Well, of course now, like, because he knows when he can go because of the disengagement rule." Now it's like, "Hey, okay, he stole seventy bases, like, and he's yeah, coming I, off I, an ACL injury. Like, no, that's well, that's I, incredible."
1: Oh, it's incredible. And I mean, the new rules obviously helped stolen bases across the league, not just for him, but like people are acting like stolen bases. It's just the same rate that it was like 20, 25 years ago. Like, if you, you look, get on baseball reference, like it's the same stolen base rate as like the late 90s. So mm-hmm. it's really, you know, we're not talking about like historical anomalies of like crazy yeah you know import like what what Acuna has done this year is awesome and I and I really do it would have been a shame if the the Braves had gone like three and out with arguably one of the top five lineups to ever play in baseball and I I I don't think that's hyperbole it's an incredible lineup
2: yeah the guys on uh which by the way watching a game on on max is pretty pretty great the picture's really really good um really which it's not as good as Apple when they have it in 4K. Uh, like watching Nashville SC games, it, it's, and I remember I would always make fun of people that were like, oh, blue, you got to watch a movie on Blu-ray. Like, is it really that different? 4K is pretty <laughs> wild to see on like a big yeah. TV.
1: Yeah, no, it, it reminds me, we were just talking about that the other day, like back in around, I don't know what that was, like 2009, 2010, when we saw High Def for the first time. Yeah. I remember <laughs> yeah. I was watching a, I was watching a Colts Titans game at a buddy's house and he had just gotten the TV. I was like, dude, you can see the boogers and Peyton Manning's nose almost like it was unbelievable. Yeah. And it was like, how did we ever watch sports? I I remember, I I
2: remember in, uh, in elementary school when, uh, we'd get like, a like, a an educational movie day where, where they bust out the laser disc. You remember those?
1: <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Those
2: things were massive, but yeah, the picture was great.
1: Um well, especially relative to the time, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh the opposite of great, the Dodgers are in trouble, and you hate to see it, David. You really hate to see it.
1: Well, I mean, the Dodgers have been interesting all year because they've really for them to win a hundred games this season, I thought was maybe their most impressive accomplishment. Because yes, they have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman who are both unbelievable, but You know, Clayton Kershaw is a shadow of his former self, throwing like 87, just gutting through performances. And as we saw in game one, that didn't work out very well. You know, Walker Bueller's out for the year. Julio Urias got arrested. Uh, They've got another, who else am I missing? Somebody else is out. Like three of their top four pitchers are out. They've just been cobbling it together with like, you know, Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio, (laughs) Lance Lynn, Old Miss throw and get that old Miss shout out after he came over. Yeah. Um, it, it is really fun speaking, you know, again, an old Miss centric podcast. It's so cool to see all these like SEC guys kind of come through because that's the team I really covered was the Landslid Old Miss years from 07 yeah. to 09. That's when I like traveled with the team sometime, you know, went to Miami for that regional, went to Virginia for a regional. Um, which were both awesome, great times. But, you know, it was Lance Lynn, Cody Satterwhite, Scott Biddle, Cody Overback, Zach Miller. You know all those guys. They're all about your age. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know. But anyway, so Lance Lynn might be the Dodgers' best hope at this point. (laughs) Who knows? I
2: I do appreciate uh, the Diamondbacks. I guess this is the playoff mantra, or maybe this was for the season, the embrace the chaos. I like that.
1: Yes, it, it actually was a good, and I, I like it because it, it it was kind of organic. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hate it when they do hashtags that just don't really make sense or seem kind of forced, but the, it really is the style, the way they play. The Diamondbacks are, you know, they don't have a lot of big hitters. Maybe, you know, Christian Walker, Lourdes Gurriel, but, you know, Corbin Carroll stole nearly as many bases as Ronald Acuña. I think he finished with 50-something. Um, and they've got yes. a handful of other really fast guys, and you know it's kind of like for folks listening that remember like the X days of the Cardinals in the eighties, Vince Cole, that Ozzy Smith. They're a little like that in some ways. They they run, they double steal, they hit and run. They're they're a fun team to watch, and when they're playing well, it's it's a really good brand of baseball.
2: Corbin Carroll still, it's still it's like a puts my mind in a pretzel because he looks like he could be. 34 but he also looks like he's 17 and has a fake mustache
1: that's a good i've never really thought about that but i i agree that he kind of looks young and old at the same time
2: yeah like he's going he's going to get carded forever
1: yes and he's gonna i think he's gonna be one of those guys that looks kind of young ish for a long long time you know, yeah. some of those guys, like he—he's got a locker right down three or four from Evan Longoria, and Evan's great. But <laughs> he looks like he—he he yeah. looks like he's my age. He's bald, <laughs> just like me, and—and and actually, he is close to my age. I think he's thirty-seven or thirty-eight, and I just turned forty-three. So we're not that far apart. But it—it's just funny, you know. Corbin is another guy we talked about. Albies and 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 Mookie Betts, like. You know, not a huge human being. And it's one thing that I think why people love baseball so much. You can be a normal sized human, even on the slightly smaller side, and still be really, really good at baseball. And that's just tough to do. Speaking of smaller people, I uh covered the Cardinals. I'm jumping all over the place, sorry, but I covered Cardinals, Bengals NFL game on Sunday and Mike Hilton's on the Bengals still. Mm -hmm. And uh what a you know, he's he's probably the most normal looking human I've ever seen play really well in mean, the <laughs> like he it's like wow, what a what a great guy and what a great career he's had.
2: Yeah, I um last thing on baseball. Um speaking of Corbin Carroll, he, the company he's in now, four postseason games, seven hits, six runs, five walks, four RBIs, four wins. Three extra base hits, two home runs. Only one other player in MLB history has done all of that over a four game span in the postseason, and that was Lou Gehrig.
1: That that's pretty good company.
2: That'll work, and that was, yeah. You
1: know, and the and the Diamondbacks did a really smart thing. They fought, took a page from the Braves playbook. You know, they locked up Acuna and the Albies to long contracts early in their career. And mm. same thing, Mike Hayes and the GM with the Diamondbacks. Corbin Carroll had played. 32 major league games had like a hundred big league at bats, and they gave him a hundred and eleven million deal for eight years. Woo. And it's looking like that is a bargain.
2: Looking <laughs> looking like, smart now.
1: Looking looking incredibly smart right now. And it locks him in to the diamondbacks essentially through his entire 20s. He'll be a free agent when I think he's 31 or 32. So I mean, wow. getting a lot of good years right there.
2: Yeah. Um, that's a good ROI, as they say in the in the business um <laughs>
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. As we as we turn the page to uh to Ole Miss, I will uh I will say you know we're not all built the same and you know normal looking humans versus you know very large not so normal looking people. Um, I uh I was in the in the Grove before the game on Saturday and went to uh hang out with our with our good buddy Ben Still um and uh walk up there to his tent and see a familiar face and it's Cody Core. He's in there hanging out. Um. And, you know, Cody is not, you know, he's not as big as Ben Still, you know, an SEC offensive lineman, but still, I mean, just an SEC wide receiver and a big body one at that. I mean, the dude looks like he could still suit up and play. He was very large. Um, oh, I'm sure. And then, I'm you know, sure. obviously, I remember
1: Hugh Freeze loved him. He was like, he told me one time, he pulled me aside. It was like, Cody is going to play on Sundays. I know he doesn't get huge stats here, but he's playing on Sundays. I remember oh, yeah. for that conversation vividly.
2: And then, obviously, I'm reminded, you know, each and every time I'm I'm at a game and I'm on the field during pregame and and in the fourth quarter, just how big everyone is. And um, right. You know, speaking <laughs> of big, speaking of big, right before the uh, interception at the end by John Saunders, uh, I, I, uh, Cody was like, "Hey, come here," and like you know, he's like, "Hey, uh, he's like, hey, DK, this is uh, this is my buddy Zach. I just met him. He's a good guy." <laughs> DK Metcalf standing there, and he's just just a mutant um <laughs> yeah he, he's so even big. among
1: football players he's ridiculous like I'm, i just
2: I, I literally had a day of like being around mutants because that morning i went to basketball practice um got to go over there and catch a couple hours of uh chris beard and company getting to work um you know talk to moose to a little bit marion sharp i mean just seven footers are just wild <laughs> it's it's crazy yes. to see those people in in person, and they they shake your hand, and their hands like you know almost up to your elbow. It's crazy, um,
1: right. And the big thing, because the same thing happens to me when I cover the Suns. You almost get a complex, like because yeah. I mean I know I am you know I'm not a tiny, you know I'm about five eleven, like a regular size. Student. <laughs> yeah, just you feel you're just walking around, and you're like, who are all these people? This is incredible.
2: I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty normal. I'm like five ten. Um. But yeah, I mean, just they make you they, they make you feel very, very tiny. Um all right. So um let's do this. Let's take the first break. When we come back, we'll talk Ole Miss, Arkansas, kind of the scope of the first half of the season, and um what we think of the Rebels who are now five and one, ranked inside the top 15. Um, so uh quick word from the sponsors, and then we'll be right back. Cooler temperatures are right around the corner, and as I like to say, it's the perfect time to play around at golf. And if you're looking for a premier golf course in northwest Mississippi or the Memphis, Tennessee area, go to Cherokee Valley Golf Club in Olive Branch, 15 minutes from the Memphis International Airport. With those cooler temps, you might want to stay warm and comfortable on the course this fall. Go in the clubhouse and check out their new selection of outerwear from Travis Matthew and Footjoy, including Footjoy's new lightweight hoodie. This 18-hole par 72 course includes four sets of tees to accommodate all players and has 11 lakes, 52 bunkers, and the wide Zoysia fairways and extra-large champion Bermuda greens and clean roughs make for an excellent opportunity every single time to post a number. If you need a premier golf experience in the Mid-South, go to Cherokee Valley Golf Club. Call them at 662-893-4444 or check them out, olivebranchgolf.com. Are you looking at cutting your health insurance premiums by as much as 20 to 30 percent? Are you aging into Medicare and need help finding a Medicare supplement plan? and get your free quote today. And we are back here. Daytime fireworks by week edition. So uh, no Ole Miss game to preview this week, but we are still going to talk about what happened in week six. Ole Miss. This is the type of game, David, that was very similar to that two lane game earlier in the year. When me and you spoke the week after, and we said, these are the types of games that you got to win when the Survive targets in advance. <laughs> right the target <laughs> yeah. the targets now on your back you're not sneaking up on anybody anymore you got to win these games if you want to be in that conversation for that top tier in the SEC that was saturday Ole Miss did not have their a game arkansas played above their heads um you know jackson dart i think got hurt on like the second or third play he played through it he was banged up i, I still think quinn Sean's probably hovering around 85 90% and um, the defense, what can you say? The defense was outstanding. They got stops when they needed it. Um, Arkansas, David, averaged 1.2 yards per rush. Wow. And I know – it had to
1: be low, but yeah. That's... Yeah.
2: I know Rocket Sanders isn't 100%. But Richard DeBinion is still a good back. KJ Jefferson can run. That's a wild stat in an SEC game to be able to yeah, hold – 29
1: carries – Twenty nine carries, thirty six yards.
2: I mean, just you can't say enough. I, I know the gripes about the tackling, and and I understand it. I think that that will be addressed over time with quality depth and better players, and guys that are more comfortable in the system. But Pete Golding and that side of the football, that staff, they earned it on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and I think it was a good bounce back too, and, and that's what I kind of like about this team at this point. They're they're playing some. I mean, it's such a cliche, but complimentary football. But it's important, yep. like you know, when the when the offense doesn't have their fastball, the defense plays well. You know, you you have a game like LSU where it's you know seventy two to sixty eight pack a lunch, four overtimes. Like the offense carries you that game. So mm-hmm. I, I think, like I said, the thing that encourages me about all this now that we're halfway through the season is I've seen both sides of the ball at certain times play. Like a top ten team on each side, so I think they have that in them. They've shown it on each side if they ever do it at the same time. um I you know they can beat just about anybody in the country, I think at this point
2: That's probably the best word for it. It's complimentary um because on Saturday, Jackson Dart was banged up. he played through it, but he was just he was off on some throws. He wasn't able to move around like he normally does. He still ran the ball pretty effectively, but yeah, he wasn't he wasn't accurate on the run, which he normally is, is pretty good at that. Um, but the run game picks him up. Ulysses Bentley, what a compliment he's been to Quinshawn Judkins, especially when Judkins has been banged up. He runs for 94 yards and a score. He's been... He was great. He's been a huge spark for that offense. And then you talk about the receivers. Trey Harris still... Little banged up. Zachary Franklin. He he, told the staff he wasn't he wasn't good in warmups. He didn't play. Jordan Watkins and Dayton Wade continued to pick up the slack in the wide receiver room. Um, yeah, Jordan Watkins right now is is getting into that upper echelon of of Ole Miss wide receivers over the past decade or so. He's been great. Um, seven catches, eighty six yards. <clears throat> he was really reliable. He's looking
1: at a thousand yard season, maybe.
2: He is. Thanks for it. I mean, he's the go-to guy on third downs. Uh, Priest corn, you know, dart after the game said that, um, you know, just he and Lane Kiffin both said that, you know, the game plan was to get the ball to the tight ends, but Arkansas did a nice job. And sometimes the the reads weren't quite there or, you know, the progression didn't get to the tight end. So Priest Korn, you know, went without a catch, but still a huge, huge part of the run game with his blocking and blocking downfield, but yeah, everybody's kind of picking up the slack. The defense picks up the offense. Bentley picks up Judkins. You know, Judkins still had a good game. He's still eighteen carries, sixty-five yards, and a score. But yeah, just the way that it's it's next man up mentality with this team, and that was a very gettable spot for Arkansas, David. They coming off the emotional at home win against LSU, and then you then you have to come right back at night before the bye week against a reeling Arkansas team. And they took their best shot and still held serve, got the win. Um, Just a, just a huge, huge step forward for this program. Cause I do think that last year's team, or maybe a couple of years ago, Ole Miss probably loses that type of game.
1: Yeah. I I think that you kind of hit on it, but you know, good teams figure out ways to win games like this. And a shout-out yeah. to Arkansas. Like, that's a team, you know, they lost by a touchdown to BYU. They lost by three points to LSU. They they played Texas A&M pretty tough. Now they lose a tough game to Ole Miss. Man, I, the fighting Sam Pittmans haven't had a whole lot of luck this year. And now they've got to go to Alabama- and then they get a home game against Mississippi State. But, man, that's a that's – a, that's a solid football team that's not getting the results week in yeah. and week out that I'm sure they want. But, you know, like you said, K.J. Jefferson, really solid SEC quarterback. Pittman's, uh, I think, a pretty good coach. It's just the – the SEC West is just a brutal animal sometimes because at the end of the day, somebody's got to lose.
2: Yeah. And don't look now. I think the defense is turning a corner a little bit. They're definitely much better up front. Five sacks. And sacking KJ Jefferson, you talk about bringing a lunch pail earlier. You got to do that with him and then some, because not only is he tough to bring down, he's elusive. He can get away. He's slippery. They brought some pretty exotic blitz packages left and right. They brought some corner blitzes. They did some zone stuff. They, They held him in check. For the most part, he he kind of dinked and dunked all night, still only threw for 250 and uh, just right at six and a half yards per completion. So he wasn't firing it downfield a ton, um, but just a gritty win. You know, we said it when they beat Tulane, you know, really good teams win games. They're not supposed to, you know, you pull it out of the fire. You don't have your best day, but you still get it done. And Ole Miss has done that all season long outside of the Bama game, which, you know, as we know with history, Ole Miss doesn't win there. And Alabama is still Alabama. It's not your granddad's or your, your uncle's or your nephew's Alabama, but they're still pretty good. And Ole Miss is five and one at the break. They're two and one in the conference. Now they're going to need some help to get to Atlanta, but they are still sitting on a really, really, really realistic shot at 10 and two. And, you know, Hey, if you went out and then you go to Athens November eleventh just see what happens. Just see what happens That's
1: exactly, it. yeah, I mean, like everything they want to do pretty much, I understand what you're saying about the s e c but it's it's out in front of them. I mean, say in Fantasyland that they somehow went eleven and one with a win at Georgia, like you're I, probably
2: in the playoffs you,
1: right. you've got to be in the national playoff conversation at that point, so um yeah, i you know they I think if you had told any Ole Miss fan they'd be. Five and one right now uh, with with that schedule. They've played at you know, Georgia Tech. And and Georgia Tech obviously was the benefit of one of the weirdest play calls I've ever seen in my life. But still, Georgia Tech just knocked off Miami. That's a solid football yeah. team. Like, they they played five good opponents in a row. Tulane, Georgia Tech, Alabama, LSU, Arkansas. They won four of them. I If you're an old Miss fan, I, I, I just don't think you can be too upset about that. I think things are looking pretty good right now.
2: Yep, you've got a quarterback that is playing as good as anyone in the conference. You could put him up there as good as anyone in the nation. Not as gaudy of a passing statistic as some of the other, you know, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, you know, the big name, you know, top five, top ten program quarterbacks. But thrown for 1,638 yards, 12 touchdowns, just two picks, and he's run for four more scores he's taking care of the football, David. It's not, it's not as, uh, as freewheeling and, you know, maybe a little more, uh, you know, shoot from the hip as it was a year ago. He looks way more, you know, just in control of the offense. Like I don't even think he was that reckless last year outside of a couple throws, but you can just tell that this is a second year guy in the system. And I don't think there's any argument now that this is his team and he is, the catalyst for this offense, and, you know, he is really taking a huge step forward. And the bye week comes at a great time, you know, had a little bit of a a knee, kind of got banged up. He said he was going to be fine. Kiffin said as much. Um, So they get a full week to get healthy, and then you start Auburn prep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I I do think this bye comes at a really good time. And to to your point on Jackson Dart, he just looks like a guy that's really – I, I thought last year he was trying to prove occasionally that he was worthy of the starting position. and occasionally that met some you know questionable decisions. But I, I think yeah. now you've got a guy that's just real comfortable in what he does. He doesn't have to be the hero every play, although he can be the hero every play on, you know, just about any game. But you know sixty four percent completion percentage. he's the second leading rusher. And I think that's what really separates him is his ability to run. Um, yeah but yeah and and he's
2: doing it and he's doing it more he's not forcing throws he's just taking it and you know tucking it and getting what he can
1: right getting five six yards I mean sometimes he'll have that spectacular run but he's just again a guy that looks really comfortable knows the offense you know doesn't have to be the hero every play but he can be if needed
2: uh so heading into Auburn we can do just a quick preview of that one um I I I'll, I'll I'll be blunt here. I don't think Auburn's very good defensively. They've got some playmakers. They've got some dudes that 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 flash on film. Collectively as a unit, they're pretty solid. Um offensively, they're a mess. He do, Hugh Freeze doesn't have a quarterback that does what he likes to do. You know, you've got Peyton Thorne, who's a guy that played a lot of football at Michigan State, but he's not getting it done. And then you've got Robbie Ashford a guy that is very elusive with his legs and a great athlete, but he can't throw the football. So it's kind of a, you know, damned. If you do damned, if you don't with, you know who you play, you know, you, you put Peyton Thorne out there and maybe he can make a couple throws, but he can't move. He's in concrete back there. And then you got Robbie Ashford who can move around and create, but then he's not very accurate. Um, I know they played Georgia tight, but look, Georgia reminded everyone last week of who they are. Um, We talk about Bama and how it's tough to win there if you're Ole Miss. Ole Miss doesn't win very often on the Plains. I can't remember the number, but it it hasn't happened very often in our lifetime. Um, This is as gettable as an Auburn team is in recent memory for Ole Miss, and I think that this is a – I don't necessarily know – I don't know, maybe you disagree. Maybe I'm talking myself into it. Is this a program-defining game for them next week in terms of the Lane Kiffin era?
1: Ah, I mean, it it doesn't – it's obviously going to have outsized importance just because it's Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, the kind of coming together. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough game for Ole Miss in the sense that, like, you you talked about damned. If you do that, you're supposed to win the game. And so you're not going to get that much credit if you do, but that's going to be a difficult game just because of all the, I I think they are catching Auburn at a good time. They got to play LSU this week, you know, tough game at LSU, then Ole Miss, you know, Hugh Friesen is going to be up for it. I'm sure the Auburn players will too. And Ole Miss will for for that, for that matter. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about program defining. It's just, again, if you're a really good sec football team, you win games like this and yep. they should win if they play well. And I think that, I think at the end of the day, Auburn is just going to struggle to score with them because if all right. gets it in even into the high twenties or the low thirties, it's just going to be tough for Auburn. Auburn hasn't shown much ability to score against power five teams. You know, they, Beat Cal 14 to 10. They lost to AM 27 10, Georgia 27 20. It's just, you know, there. I, I think Freeze will get that offense right eventually, but yeah, he needs some players that fit what he does.
2: Yeah. Anyone with a pulse, they're not scoring very much. Um, and they, I stayed up and watched the Cal game. They should have lost that one.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And Cal. Is not terrible, but that's not a great football team. So, this is, you know, I, I think it's a team that just to some degree will play to its level of competition. um You know, I expect them against Old Miss, and again, we'll see what happens against LSU, but
0: mm-hmm. I,
1: I expect them to come out and be ready for that game and play hard. I just think Old Miss will eventually just score too many points. I think it's going to be something like 31 to 20.
2: Yeah. It- Last thing I'll ask you this before we hit the break and and do our picks. Could this be a game that affects Auburn the way Alabama has affected Ole Miss over the years under Lane Kiffin where the coach builds it up so much and makes it the game, the Super Bowl. Like, we have to beat them. I feel like Auburn could be in – Kind of in that spot next week where you know Hugh Freeze wants this one more than any other game on the schedule. I don't care what he says. He would rather beat Ole Miss than beat Alabama. I don't care. If he says he'd rather win the Iron Bowl, he's a liar. He wants to beat Ole Miss. And And
1: yeah, this this first year, I, you know, I maybe if he's in like if he's a year four or five at Auburn, I might listen to that. But no, he wants to beat Ole Miss. There's no question.
2: So uh, maybe that's what gets them. I think Ole Miss wins the game either way. It's at night. Jordan Hare is going to be rowdy. It'll be a crazy environment. But I, at some point, the environment doesn't win you a game where you're probably going to be a, what, seven, eight-point dog?
1: Yeah, I, I would think something like that. I It probably kind of depends on what happens at LSU. But, yeah, sure. I think in the seven to ten range sounds about right.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that Ole Miss will be able to, like you said, score enough, and I, I think the defense is—you know—you got a week to get healthy, you got basically two weeks to prepare for Auburn, and you know here's a here's a little bit of a uh, a little nugget to to bookmark for next week. The defensive coordinator at Auburn is Ron Roberts. And you know who learned under Ron Roberts, right? I maybe Pete Golden. That is correct.
1: <laughs> I was about to say I. I think I know where this is going.
2: That was uh yeah at, at Delta State, so pretty. Fam- there's a lot of familiarity there. Uh, I, I know. I know people are pointing to last time Ole Miss faced a Ron Roberts defense that was in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor, but remember, Baylor had a pretty. Pretty damn good roster. And uh Matt Corral <laughs> got hurt. Um, I think that that game is is has a vastly different outcome if Matt Corral is healthy in that one. Um sure. but yeah, there's some built-in storylines that's that is really gonna make it um and 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 you know, storylines other than Hugh Freeze versus Slane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze going against Ole miss, you know, all that. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be fun. Six o'clock ESPN. Um Next Saturday. All right. Let's get into our picks for week seven. Before we do that, let's take our final break. And when we come back, we will talk SEC week seven. So hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals who can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support and business and estate planning strategies as well. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn about this and more at BluffCityAdvisory.com.
3: Listen to Nerdwallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today.
2: Trust me, future you will thank you. Final segment here, Daytime Fireworks. All right, David. As good a time to have a bye week as any if you're an Ole Miss fan because you got some good football to watch this weekend. Uh, CBS is doing the double dip thing. They've got Georgia Vandy at 11 a.m. Um, my goodness! First Bank Stadium will be crawling in red and black, um, <laughs> which I do kind of wonder if if they will have as many people as they normally do because Vandy has no chance in this one, right?
1: It certainly doesn't seem like it. I I was like you said, Georgia kind of reminded everybody with what they did to Kentucky. I that's what you know. We talked about that, and I thought at, at some point Georgia's going to get right, and somebody's going to pay mm-hmm. for it, and that was. That was Kentucky on Saturday. So, I, you know, I think this is going to be kind of a sleepy one. I think Georgia just does what it needs to do. But well, like I a, don't think this one is going to be very 35-7. Like
2: oh, yeah, I was going to say like a 48-10. Like a
1: yeah, I mean, I just think Georgia's going to get a big first-half lead and just take the air out of the ball. <laughs> yeah,
2: which would be a cover. The line right now is 31-and-a-half. Um,
1: <laughs> That's amazing in which... an SEC game on the Golly.
2: road. I know, um, 11 a.m. ESPN. Those hogs that we talked about, Sam Pittman, Ah. man, they are reeling and they are just just, back
1: at it again. God, they don't get,
2: they don't get any breaks. Uh, you go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, all of a sudden starting to look somewhat like the, uh, the Alabama of old that was deep down in the freezer. It's been thawed out now, um, Crimson Tide, 19.5 point favorite over Arkansas. Um, That's a lot of points. It is a lot. I was going to say, I feel like you got to lay them, but I don't know, man. I, I said this last week on several shows that I don't think this team will quit on Sam Pittman because I think they like Sam Pittman. I think oh, he I is think a too. true players coach. I like Sam Pittman. I think everybody. Yeah, everybody. Does.
1: Everybody. Does. I haven't met anybody who was like, oh, "That guy seems like a <laughs> jerk." Everybody loves him.
2: Yeah, but you know, you're two and four. You're zero oh and three in the conference. You're just, I mean, what are you? You're staring what four and eight in the face right now.
1: Right, I mean, with a, not a bad football team. That's the toughest.
2: Yeah, one. I mean, K- KJ Jefferson's still out there. Um, man, I just don't know if I trust Alabama to put that much up on the scoreboard because look right. they-
1: that's the thing the 19 i i just don't know why you know alabama yeah they scored 40 against mississippi state but uh, i don't know how impressive that is at this point in every other game this year other than mtsu they've been in the 20s and 30s so i, yeah. I think alabama wins but i think it's more in the kind of yeah. like what last week was 27 20 or 30 20 i know
2: if I was Maybe going to touch two
1: touchdowns, but yeah, 19's a lot.
2: If I was going to touch this as a handicapper, I'd probably look at the total. It's at 47 right now. Um, I would probably say over. I mean, you know, I don't know, Bama 30, 17, something like that. I just I don't know. They're still not putting up a ton of yards. I know they won the game last week, and that's all that matters, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but A&M just completely fumbled that one away. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, just had had it there in their grasp to do Ole Miss a huge solid and get that win, and they couldn't get it done. And it was in Kyle Field, so you got to give Bama credit there too. Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't touch the line, but I'd look at the total. I'd probably go over just because I think both will score enough to get over that 47 because, I mean – Man, anything at, like, 45 or more, like, that should be gettable unless it's Iowa and, you know, Nebraska, right?
1: <laughs> right, unless you're talking about a, a Big Ten game in, like, December, Ugh, you know, like late, yeah. late November and stuff like that. And Alabama seems like it's finding itself offensively a little bit. Yeah, I, I is think getting so. getting a lot better. I, I think, you know, it's not going to be a high-scoring game, but I do think combined they can get over, what would you say, it was 47, 45?
2: Yeah, it was forty-seven.
1: Yeah, I mean that's it's not a bad, but I can see it being, you know. So I,
2: 30, I initially thirty
1: something to twenty something.
2: Yeah, I initially said thirty seventeen, which would be a push. So let me say thirty-one seventeen, and then you get it. There it is. All right, so the Vols they've got their chance to make me look not an idiot after I was singing their praises all off season. I said I think that. Man, Joe Milton, yeah, he can throw the shit out of it, but like, can he actually complete some passes? But I thought Josh Heupel would be a good enough coach. They're still sitting at four and one. They're one and one in the conference. They had the bad loss at Florida, which is a house of horrors for them. They get a And M at home. Right now, the line is three and a half. Tennessee. It's a two thirty kick on CBS. Nealon will be rocking. That place is tough to. It's tough to get a dub if it's loud. Um, how's a and going to respond? Big emotional yeah. letdown at home. You travel to a big raucous environment here. I like the Vols, but man, it's tight. I just, I give the edge to Tennessee because I feel like Jimbo is going to stick his nose in that offensive huddle a couple times and ruin it.
1: Yeah boy this is a tough one because I think it, it's a I, I think it's a good game that I want to watch just personally just because you've got two good teams but two teams that are kind of desperate too in a little bit yeah. you know Texas a and really needs to win and Tennessee does too you know just as far as I know that's kind of captain obvious here and everything but you know this is this is Tennessee's first chance to really get a you know, South Carolina—that was a nice win. You win by three touchdowns, and and I know that that's a rivalry over there. But I think from a national perspective, this game will get some eyeballs, and this is where yeah. Tennessee—if if they can beat A and M, it's kind of the back on. You know, because then after that, you've got Alabama and Kentucky yeah. both on the road, which is which is difficult. And I, I just think, and and then the same thing with Texas, because if you lose your Texas A and M, it's just here we go again. You're four and three, two and two yeah. in the league, and just staring at mediocrity again. And then it, you know, the conversation changes to, you know, should they get rid of Jimbo and Bobby, but you know, that whole thing. And it just becomes, an. Right. but if you win and you're Texas A&M, then I think you still have lots of reasons for optimism. I, th- I think, but anyway, I just, I, I like games like this where it's really, really important for both teams in a lot of regards. And I, I think this is, this is, you're going to see two really motivated, desperate teams.
2: Yeah, it's good defensive matchup too. A&M really good in the front seven and uh, Tennessee overall as a unit is a, is a pretty solid defense. They're only giving up 300 yards a game. They're really good against the run. It's just going to come down to to Joe Milton at this one. I I think because you know that, that DJ Durkin and that defense, they're going to come after him. So he's got to be able to make some throws off platform, get out of the pocket, pick up some first downs with his legs. And, um, You know, they're doing it without Brew McCoy, who unfortunately had that season-ending injury. Um, So, yeah, I I would lean Tennessee at home, but I don't feel good about it, and I'm certainly not touching this one um, from a betting perspective because it it could go either way because, like you said, they're both desperate. Um, Man, (laughs) sticking with the theme of desperation, 230 SEC Network, Florida travels to Columbia. man. I saw some people say that this is like loser go home game. I I don't think it's that, that extreme and talking loser go home as in head coach. Um, Billy Napier is as hot of a seat as the coach of a four and two team that I've ever seen. And then South Carolina two and three, um, you know, had the big win over Mississippi state and they get drilled by Tennessee. They had, their moments in Athens, they lose to Georgia and then they lost the opener against North Carolina. So it's been a back and forth, a, you know, seesaw uh, season, seesaw season, say that five times. Um, (sighs) It's been difficult for South Carolina, but I've been saying this for like a year and a half now, David, if they just let Spencer Rattler do his thing, good things will happen.
1: Yeah. It just, it, it seems like, I mean, I kind of feel like you watching South Carolina, you keep waiting for the corner, you know, just to turn the corner and like see the team that we believe is there. But the game's at South Carolina. I think they'll get it done. But, yeah, the – boy, we got to start talking about – Florida might be one of the hardest jobs in some ways. I mean, obviously there's a lot of resources, but that's a tough job.
2: Yeah, I mean – yeah. Like you said, I just
1: four and two, an absolute, you know, I, I get that it hasn't been the best season for Florida, but I mean, just the expectations there are difficult.
2: Yeah. It, and they're off the field. Like they're recruiting at an extremely high level. We talked about Sam Pittman being likable. It seems like everybody around that program and recruits love Shane Beamer. Um, it's certainly reflected in what they're doing in recruiting. Um, he's a guy that, Players want to play for, but yeah, I lean South Carolina here. It's like you said, it's at home. Williams Bryce is as tough a place to play as any. Um, and you know, I was going to say when it's rocking, but it's always rocking. That that fan yeah, so base doesn't get place. enough. They don't get enough credit for how loyal they are. They will they will pack that place out no matter what. Um, but yeah, the line's only two, so I'm I'm laying the points here with South Carolina. I, I just don't trust Florida. They're so Jekyll and Hyde, and and I think Carolina will get it done at home. Xavier Leggett's quietly having one of the better years as a wide receiver in the SEC. Yeah, that's true. I had, I I kind of flew under the radar for me too. I did, um, I did see this earlier. I'm gonna double check. Uh, yeah. So Juice Wells is doubtful for this weekend's game. Um, they are missing him bad because Leggett can only do so much by himself on offense, and they miss juice wells being a go-to Gosh, guy. Third that's down. pretty
1: incredible. He he has more than 400 yards than the next leading receiver. That's
2: Yeah, on the team. No, I, I've heard some people throw out like some DK Metcalf comparisons with Leggett. Like he's not as big as DK, but you know, a big 6'3,
1: 227. It's a big boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a long strider like DK. He he gets out in the open field and no one wants to tackle him. Um but uh yeah, I like the Gamecocks at home here. I think they get it done. All right, uh, last two here on the docket. We've got Auburn at number 22, LSU. Man, the Tigers, you want to talk about pulling one out of the fire. I mean, they probably got third-degree burns on Saturday with that one. They were <laughs> really playing with fire. Um, all the all the puns here with, with flames. But um, they get the pick six at the end to cover two. Uh, Missouri had that one.
1: And LSU. Yeah, came out. no. LSU's Man. offense is, is, is impressive when it gets going. And it's you know, special. Logan Diggs, Jaden Daniels, there, you know, that I think that win is going to continue to look great for Ole Miss. Because, you know, going forward, because that's a good LSU team. And yeah. I, I think Missouri really played well, was up for that game, and hit LSU in the mouth early and tried to hold on. It just didn't work out. But I, I was, you know. I'll give Missouri some credit. They they look like they've taken a step forward as far as They do. being a little more competitive now. I think I I that game even though I know the loss hurts, but I think that's a that's a solid program right now. And yeah. I'll be really interested to see what they do uh against Kentucky.
2: I didn't give them much of a chance and they damn near won it. So all jokes aside with Drinkwitz and his goofy demeanor, <clears throat> he's he's got them <laughs> going in the right direction i mean luther burden my goodness he is he is something else man i mean when when a five star is a five star you know everybody can kind of pat themselves on the back like yeah we got that that eval correct but man he is he is really something um i this is one where i just don't think auburn has the jimmies and joes to compete I it's, do
1: too, and I think it's it's a tough game. It's right before the old Miss game, yep, and I know it's LSU exactly. and they care. And, and Hugh Friesel, you know, I mean, he's not going to be like, oh, forget the LSU game, I care about it. I mean, but I, you think, you know, in the back of the head, you're looking forward to that. I just, like you said, Auburn doesn't have the talent. It's in Baton Rouge. I actually think this is going to be kind of ugly. I think LSU I, wins pretty big.
2: Yeah, I kind of feel like they they kind of rub their nose in it a little bit. If the line's 11, I, I, I'm laying Ooh, the I points. take LSU
1: all day, all day.
2: I think they get back at home, friendly confines. That place will be rocking. I just don't think I, that.
1: That's a 42 <clears> to 17 all over it to me, I think.
2: Yeah, and the look-ahead spot here is big. Because you know that's what Hugh's looking forward to.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, and, and some, like I said, he, he cares about LSU, too. He'll be up for that game. But it's just, it's human nature. It's not, I'm not. Right. It's not like a character flaw by Freeze. It's just you know, these things are natural. The SEC West is tough. You can't be up for every single game, but it's just hard to believe they'll be as up for the LSU game as they need to be to actually knock off LSU at Tiger Stadium.
2: Yeah, and you know somebody might need to remind Freeze that this is a rivalry game because apparently he didn't know that Georgia was a rivalry game a couple weeks ago. What? He that's what he claims.
1: Oh, come on. That's you freeze. <laughs> so girls this is in the uh South. Come on.
2: What do they call this one? Like the cigar game or whatever, where like the teams like Auburn would light cigars up when they'd win or whatever.
1: I don't know. I I haven't <clears> heard <throat> um, that, but it wouldn't surprise me.
2: Yeah, so I, I like LSU we'll to roll here. I think we're simpatico on that. Uh last one, Missouri at Kentucky. The Wildcats get back to K Roger. Coming off that loss to Georgia, but hey, look. That's the type of loss you want to bounce back. You just want to get drilled to where you can just like, hey, whatever. Put it, you know, eject that from your brain. Let's get ready for another one. You don't want to have that one that Missouri had where it was just like a demoralizing. It was right there right and you first. can't get it done. Yeah, that that one lingers. That one could potentially beat you twice here going to Kentucky. Another place, those fans show up and I'll say this, David. Stoops has been, you know, he's done a fantastic job with that program. They kind of have, you know, we we talked a lot about identity on this show the last couple of weeks. They have an identity there. Did you see what he said after the Georgia game?
1: I did not, actually. What did he say?
2: This might affect some some fans. Maybe not. His quote was like, let me find it. He said, um, All right, here it is. Quote, fans have that right to complain. I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those dudes are doing. I can promise you, Georgia, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days. We could use some help.
1: <laughs> I like, like the brutal honesty.
2: Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, they're already like right. on your side. Like, they're already you know, Cal's on the quote hot seat this year for basketball. And then you're going to go and do that. Come on. Right.
1: I understand the frustration and I, I don't think he's wrong, but yeah, sometimes it's like, you know, just why don't, why don't, why don't you think about that for 30 more seconds before you. Speak out loud?
2: Yeah. That, ugh. that, that's just like, you're, you're, you're doing too much. You, you know, do, you know, it's like forgetting Sarah Marshall, like, no, no, do less, do less.
3: Uh, and the
1: deal is with Kentucky, I mean, if they beat Missouri, they get Tennessee at home the next week, and then Mississippi State, like they could be 8-1 yeah, going into Alabama. Everything's still – like yeah. that loss to Georgia is – you know, it was embarrassing. It's kind of one of those where, you know, you, you get up for it and get smacked. But, you know, I, I kind of like Ole Miss after that Alabama loss, it's not the end of the world. I mean, there's a, there's a lot in front of them if they want it.
2: Yeah. The line's just two and a half. Man. Uh, f- ooh.
1: If I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know the rosters of both teams well enough to make a super informed decision, but that just feels like Kentucky. I just don't know if Missouri can pull the rabbit out of the hat. Like I said, I think Missouri's trending the correct direction, but yeah, you know that was an emotional loss. I, I think I Kentucky. Just... Yeah, wins this game,
2: but Brady Cook has been really good this year. He's almost at 2,000 yeah. yards, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. Devin Leary's been really pedestrian. Now, how good, you know, can Ray Davis do it again? Now, I know he ran all over Florida. Can he do it again? And, you know, does Kentucky have anyone that can cover Luther Burden? Are they going to bracket him? What are they going to do? Um, because the, the passing game in Kentucky has been a mystery. I know it's a lot of it hinges on Devin Leary being good, but I mean, they've got two guys over there in Tavian Robinson and, and Barry and Brown that should be getting a lot of touches and they're really not. Um, So, well, you just look,
1: you know, Leary's only competing, completing 54% of his passes. That's just, yeah, he can't get him the ball. Right. I mean, that's just not very, and I don't know, you know, is it Leary's fault? Is it the scheme? Whatever. I'm not going to pretend to know, but that's just not, you know, when you're comparing to guys like in this league, like Jaden Daniels and, and Jackson Dart, and even a KJ Jefferson, like they're, they're operating at a much more efficient pace than
2: Leary is right now. Yeah. I, this one to me, it just.
1: I do think like now that like, we're kind of talking about it. I'm getting, you know, if Missouri turns this into a shootout. That favors. Well, that's Missouri. trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that's trouble. Because I, I do think Missouri <clears throat> can score some points. So I don't yeah. know. I I, I Stoops, feel like Kentucky wins this game, but
2: Yeah, I don't feel good about it. Like Stoops is gonna want to take the air out of it, play keep away, keep Cook and Burden and those guys off of the field. Um but yeah, I, I don't feel great because yeah, if if it does get to where, okay, you gotta match a score for score, I don't know if Kentucky can do that because the way they run the football and the new clock rules, like they may not have enough possessions.
1: Yeah, I mean that's just not the way Kentucky does things. I mean, no. for better or for worse. I mean, that you know, the they know how they wanna play and it it is a contrast in styles because Missouri, you know, likes to get the ball up and down the field.
2: hmm Yeah. All right, that is it for the SEC Week 7. Ole Miss, obviously, on a bye. They will be back at it next week at Auburn. That will do it for this edition of Daytime Fireworks. We will have more podcasts coming your way this week. We will have picks later this week. Um, And, David, I don't know if you're keeping up with it, but the boys are buzzing right now. We are 43-29 and against the spread right now.
0: You're pretty a good. Eater. That's
2: pretty yeah. good. Yeah, we're 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 doing all right right now. Uh, much better than the last couple of years where we were really struggling. But um, hopefully we're not due for a regression week. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the picks are going well. Um, heading into week seven, we will still have that, even though we'll Miss is on a buy, obviously. And uh, we've got much more at omspirit.com. Check it out. Um, also, want to remind you, go and get your stuff. You know, it's still. It, it, you can still go get some merch. You can get some swag, even though it's a bye week. If you're going to travel to Auburn, go check out College Corner in Oxford on Cisc. Go get your polos, get your game day supplies. You can go get some gifts. Um, you know they got hoodies, quarter zips. They got new Real Tree hoodies. You can go and pre order now. They got you know your tumblers. They got your, your your cups. They got you know if you want a Real Tree cup, they got you there. So go over there, College Corner on Sisk Avenue in Oxford and uh, get you some swag. So we appreciate them and the rest of the sponsors that bring this one to you. David, this was fun. We'll do it again next week as we uh, get ready for Auburn, buddy. Absolutely.
1: Another another good week talking baseball and football. we we lead pretty good lives.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, for David over there, I'm Zach. This has been Daytime Fireworks. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Make sure to like, subscribe, all that good stuff on the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. And also make sure you subscribe, smash the like button, all that stuff at YouTube at OM Spirit. So until next week, we
0: out.